Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Road to Medical Seals podcast. Please leave a rating and review so we can continue to impact as many lives as possible. Today, we welcome Steve Slattery, the regional sales manager at Kutera Inc. to the podcast. Steve graduated at the University of Colorado at Boulder with an economics major and a minor in business. Steve was an eight-time All-American on the track and cross-country team in college. He then became a professional track and field athlete for 10 years. After that, he broke into a pharmaceutical company called GlaxoSmithKline. From there, he transitioned to Sinoshore, an aesthetics medical device company, and now he works for Kutera. He has been there for five years and has worked his way up to become the regional sales manager. He brings a wealth of knowledge to the podcast. We couldn't be more excited to have him on. So let's get right into it. Professional track and field. How was that experience? And do you feel like the competitiveness of that helped you prepare for medical sales? Yeah. um, Being a professional track and field athlete, is kind of interesting um, not being one of like the big sports, but it's, it's, it's really big actually in Europe and in Asia. And so you travel a lot. It's a lot of international. Um, it was an amazing experience, you know, people flying you all over around the world to run. And, um, you know, it, it's, it was just an amazing experience and I'm incredibly thankful for, um, people like Nike who sponsored me all that time, but you know, my competitors and USA track and field and university of Colorado and all the people that helped me. Cause like, honestly, like looking back at it, like it was just an unbelievable experience, like going to a new country every week to run a race and, you know, compete for your country. Um, you know, just really, really exciting, proud of what I was able to accomplish. Always want to accomplish more. But, um, I think that that really drove me in medical device because like, I just, I'm such a competitive person. I need that outlet in my life. Like if I had a non-competitive job, like I'm the type of guy, like, all right, I'm trying to race the guy on the highway. And like, I'm just, I'm just one of those people. Like I'm, I'm very aggressive, very competitive. And like, that was like such a huge outlet for sports. I had that in my life every day. It actually allowed me to be less competitive in other areas of my life. And, um, I like, I like to pour that into my job, you know, like I I don't think, you know, I would be able to survive without having some kind of outlet for that. And I think that, um, that's really what made it work for me, you know, is, is being competitive. If you're competitive, if you're aggressive, if you go for it, um, you could do really well on this job. Like if if you could, if you could harness it in the right way. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was an easy transition for me. Um, being around a lot more like-minded people in that way. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's a part of your DNA a little bit. A little bit. Um, my wife was an athlete. We have the most competitive family ever. Like everything's <laughs> a race, everything's a contest. So it gets a little out of control, but but I like it. That's great. So how did, how did you break in initially? You know, a lot of our listeners are still trying to break in. And so any advice, tricks you may have to get noticed, words of wisdom to break in? Yeah. So um, I... I was an athlete. I was 32 turning 33 years old. I was living in Colorado, moved to Arizona. My wife grew up here and I'm like, I got to do something else with my life. And I had some friends in medical device that did really well and they loved it. And I'm like, all right, I want to, I want to, I want to do medical device. And I was applying to a lot of like strikers and like the stereotypical, like well-known companies. And it was like, I think because of my resume, 
was so unique. I got a lot of, um, out of attention and actually did fairly well in like the tests and the interviews, but it, it like kept coming down to, we love you. We think you'd be great, but you have zero work experience, you know? And so I had to get really good at articulating how I could translate the experience I had as an athlete into, into work experience. And, um, I was applying to pharma. I was applying to med device and got my first opportunity with GSK. And I, I, I had to, I think I found a manager. His name's Matt Gloyd. He's still in pharmaceutical. Like he's going to have an amazing career, but he, he took a chance on me, but it was also, a, a, I had to be a little flexible. There was an opportunity. There was nothing open in Phoenix they had a territory in Tucson. They were on, they were having trouble filling. And I drove to Tucson every day for like six months. And wow. I, my territory was only in Tucson. And, you know, I, I was living in South kind of part of Phoenix, like in Ahwatukee. It was like, you know, 90 mile drive or hundred mile drive. But I was like, I wanted to break in and they gave me the opportunity. I did that. Like, I forget exactly how long, but like a significant amount of time before territory in Scottsdale opened up. Um, and, and that was kind of the thing, just like I took any opportunity that was open and I, I went there and I'm like, I'm going to crush it and they're going to move me because I'm going to be the best person on the team. And I think having that attitude for people that are break in that if there's so many people I meet and they're like, I have this opportunity, but the territory is not good or it's this company. It's not exactly where I want to be. And it's like, man, you gotta, if you go there and crush it in this job, like people know, like people know your name. Yeah. You know, and opportunities a year later, a ton of opportunities opened up and it was just getting my foot in the door and, and working hard and meeting people. And, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. Being willing to do what other people aren't willing to do sometimes. Yeah. You can't be too picky. We just hired somebody in Phoenix that was willing to relocate. And yeah. like you said, once you crush it after that first year, then you can kind of have your pick of where you want to go. It's crazy. It's crazy. Medical device. It's like, I think it's like almost being, you know, relating it to sports. It's like breaking in is so hard because like, you're not sure if you're going to make it. But once you've like showed you could do it and do it well, I mean, door, like you have people hitting you up all the time, right? You have people begging you to, to switch companies, switch, and it's just anybody who wants to do it. If you have any opportunity, even if it's not perfect, even if it's a sacrifice, make the sacrifice. That's how that it's totally worth it. I couldn't agree more. So what was different in your opinion between pharmaceutical sales and medical device sales kind of pros and cons? I, I probably couldn't have gone from two more opposite ends of the spectrum. I was, um, a rep at GSK. We sold asthma medication and COPD medication. So inhalers. Okay. And so it was, I mean, high, high volume, tons of prescriptions, um, had a bunch of offices, mostly like primary care and, um, pulmonologists and it was all building a relationship, you know, fighting for every little prescription to, to gain market share. And then it was a complete, and that's very regulated in, in managed care, like, you know, reimbursement. And, and that's the number one concern in that. And then all the way I did. So I do capital medical device, which in aesthetics, so it's not, has not, we're not helping sick people. We're making people look better. <laughs> we're, we're not in managed care that has, no, everything's cash pay. Um, and it's just finding new, uh, new offices all the time, right? Cause it's capital equipment. It's not, it's not as much of a relationship sale. And I, I love both of them. I think the two, the biggest difference is pharmaceutical salesperson 
you need to be the type of person that that's where you thrive, building those relationships, building a relationship with everybody in the office, um, willing to be not get frustrated with coverage and managed care and things like that. There's just some people you can't sell to no matter what. I think that you got to really have that perspective. Um, I think capital equipment, um, especially in aesthetics, what I'm doing now and medical device in, in general, like it's a little bit more cutthroat, right? You know, you live and buy, die by your quota, you know, no matter where you are. Um, and I think that it's, it's a little bit more high pressure, um, a lot better lifestyle, I would say in pharmaceutical sales. Like we had a lot of days off and it was like a set schedule and it was, it was, it was more like working for a company where, where you work for medical device. It's all like you're running your own business, you know, like whether you do capital equipment or, or do a sale like yours, like if you have to do a case on a Saturday, you have to do a case on a Saturday, like that's yeah. your job. Like if it's late, it's late. If it's early, it's early. If you have to drive far, you have to drive far. You know, you're running your own business. Every dollar matters and you live and die by your quota. So I'm, I think whatever you wrap your head around better, probably a better opportunity for you, you know? So this is kind of out of left field, but I've always heard there's a stigma between hiring pharmaceutical reps into medical device. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that. And I was actually, you know, some of my friends, um, when I was, took my first, like I knew I wanted to do medical device. I took a pharmaceutical job. I think that that was brought up to me and I think it could be a positive or a negative. You know, if you're, if you're the right pharmaceutical rep, I think it, it's not a hard transition. You know, it actually, the, the, the people I interviewed with that were not willing to take a chance of me a year before a year in pharma and, and having some success opened doors for me. Um, I, I, when I'm hiring people, I look at a lot of people that come from like copiers and Cintas and ADP and companies like that. But I think the right pharmaceutical rep, if you, if you have, you know, a couple years of experience and you could articulate what you like about your job and why the difference in medical device and the understanding that it's going to be a big change in lifestyle. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And I think the fear is just not nobody in, in people these days in pharma are not getting held accountable for their quota and stuff. And like the numbers are so crazy anyway, like they do a million dollars in a week where yeah. that might be your entire quota in med device, right? Exactly. Like the numbers are crazy and you just, you know, it's not live and die by that quota and hitting that, the goal. But if you could articulate you're that type of person, that's what you're looking for. Like I would take a chance on someone. Yeah. I love that. That was well said. So let's dive a little deeper into what you do now. Yeah. What is this world like for those interested in getting into it? This capital medical device world in this particular specialty that you're in, you know, what do you find challenging about this particular division? What do you love about it? Yeah. So I, I work for Qterra and so we make energy based aesthetic devices. Um, so like things from laser hair removal to tattoo removal, pigmentation on your face to some of the crazy stuff coming out now, like vaginal rejuvenation, um, we do muscle stimulation. We do, we have a device that kills fat. There's really, really cool stuff coming out. Um, it's awesome. It's fun. It's, uh, it's, it's a really exciting industry. It's growing really quickly. Um, what I love about it is it's, it's a really sexy product. It's fun. Like people who go into those offices are going to look good and they're healthy and there's everything's cash. It's significantly better business for most of the doctors to do cash pay procedures. So they're happier. 
Yeah. Um, it, it's a really good, most of them see this as like the best decision they ever made in their lives. You know, you meet a lot of doctors who come from different backgrounds, got into aesthetics for every reason, found a passion from it. And they're like, you hear all the time, best decision of my life was to, you know, start doing aesthetics into my practice. I don't have to do reimbursement. I don't have to deal with insurance. And, you know, I have all these people coming in here to, I make them look better. You know, it's like, it's like the effect of, you know, what I find really hard for a reimbursement doctor and, and I, you know, when you're, when you're not in medical device sales or not in the medical industry, you're, you're like a primary care doctor and you have people coming in and you're arguing with you over like 20 bucks for a copay and you're like controlling their diabetes. Or when I was at GSK, like COPD and these like life threatening things yet, those people will go to the same person to go, same person will go get their haircut and spend a hundred bucks and tip the person $20 or their nails. And like, they go home and they're like, you know, Susie's my best friend. Like, I love her. I want you to come in with me and meet her. Cause I talked to you about, and like, it's like, that's frustrating in my opinion. That, that's super frustrating. And kind of in ours, it's like different, you know, like you, you know, they're they're you're getting that other person. You're, you know, there some, some people tip after their procedure and cause they're get it's like, they think of it more of a service that they want. So I think that's like the coolest part about it. It's just super exciting. People are positive. They're having fun and, you know, they don't feel, don't feel some of the, the stress of managed care and insurance and that kind of whole complex. And in many ways you're changing their life. I mean, you're making them more confident. They are yeah. they're walking out of there, you know, with a new outlook. We're not from- maybe saving people's lives, but we do make a big difference and, and we do help people. Like, um, I don't know if you guys, it was big on the news. I'm blanking on the guy, the kid's name, but he was in, in New York and his sister got attacked by a dog and it was like an eight year old brother, like grabbed the dog and got bit all over. His I remember face. that. Yep. And, um, one of our offices used our device to t- remove the kid's scars. That's so there, that's pretty amazing. Cause he was like, you know, he had like 200 stitches in his face or something like that. And like, he's a little kid and getting the scar taken care of, which is almost gone now. It's really cool. So we do get to do some stuff like that. And, um, it's just, it's just a fun industry to be in our events our conferences are fun. And, you know, it's just, it's just like a lot of energy and it's growing and it's great, great industry to be around. I love it, Steve. So how, how did you move up so fast in this industry? If you were to give anyone advice on moving up from a sales rep to a regional sales manager, what would you recommend? So I think you got to be at the right place in your, in your life. I got started, I think a little later in my sales career. So I felt more urgency in moving up because moving up through a company is something that's, that's a goal of mine. Um, I think the best advice that I could give, give someone is I always let it know, like people know where I want to be. And I feel like as a manager, I would, I love it when reps are like, Hey, I want to be a rep. I want to crush it as a rep, but I want to eventually become a manager, right? It's like, I'm not afraid of someone trying to take my job. I want you to take my job so I could move up, you know? (laughs) So I think if you, if you verbalize that in where you want to be, and especially at the right time, you know, I think that people will help you. I think asking people for help and advice and, and, you know, trying to take on projects with your manager and, and show, you know, that initiative is a big thing. I think my best advice though, is when you get the job, just go out there and crush it right? The best reps get the attention. They get, they get all that. So the the easiest way to move up is just to be a a killer rep. I see that same thing with associate sales reps, because we have the associate sales reps that work for us to help us out before they get promoted to a sales rep. And there was one situation in Arizona where we had one guy and he wasn't really asking 
you know, for the opportunity to get promoted. But the other guy kept asking, kept asking. They ended up promoting that other guy yeah. who took the initiative, who, who told the manager what he wanted. So I think you make a really good point. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, I tell people all the time, like, if, if you want, and I think that's some of the competitiveness and being aggressive for me. It's like when I see those opportunities, I'm like, hey, I want to do that. Like, I want to put my name in the hat. Like, I don't know if I'm ready this time, but like, I want to like, let me go in the process and then maybe I'll be ready next time. And I think if you do that and take it seriously and, and show that it's not all words, people, people like you could really change people's perception of you. I think it also shows you're driven, you're hungry, and then you're going to go out there and crush the territory because you're trying to prove yourself so bad. Yeah. I think it's just, it's just the attitude. And, and, and I think, um, there's so much stuff going on at companies and, you know, being, being kind of a manager, direct manager, like I am now, like, you know, you're kind of bridging the gap between corporate and, and the reps and the customer, you know, you still have a lot of customer interactions and finding a rep that like is willing to open their eyes and see it on both sides, you know, like, Hey, like some of the stuff I'm telling you to do, you know, that you're like, yeah, why this is why and open your mind to that. I think that's, that's a good way to look, look at business as well. Um, you know, you still got to crush it, but having an open mind to things, being someone that contributes to the culture and, and corporate culture and stuff like that. I think that's really, really key as well. hundred percent, hundred percent. So any last words of advice for people trying to break into the medical sales industry? Um, my biggest advice is, is be aggressive and go for it. I mean, I took a lot of chances. I'm not a shy person. I feel like I have a decent personality. I could get people to like me. And I was in, I was in Colorado moving to Arizona. I never had a job before. All I did was run. And I had some friends in medical device in different areas of the country. And I, I hit people up on LinkedIn in, in Scottsdale. Um, I, person I'd say drew Bernhardt was someone who went to see you. He just came up on my, he was a regional manager for, for a medical device company and came up on my LinkedIn and went to see you. And I called him, you know, Hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? And he was like, I'm actually in Colorado. And, and, you know, he helped me with, with, with interviewing, um, you know, be aggressive, go after it. There's so many people applying, you know, sometimes it's, it's meeting someone in a bar, or, you know, you're out in old town and, you know, you run into, Hey, what do you do? I do medical device. Hey man, like, want to meet for coffee sometime. I'd love to get your opinion on that. And you find the right person that's being an advocate and maybe hook you up with a, you know, with a recruiter or something. And it just snowballs from there. But if you don't, if you're just, you know, the person sitting at home, not doing, you know, just applying online, um, it's going to be really, really tough in my opinion, you know, like you're not going to get a lot of opportunities and the ones that you do, you're going to really have to go there and, and, and kill it in an interview to set yourself apart from, from someone who's, you know, doing all the other initiatives. So how about for medical sales reps who are struggling and they're just looking for some more advice to be successful out there in the field? The best, the best advice I could give, give someone is so many people get this opportunity to do medical device sales and they come from another industry and, and we're huge on that at Qterra. Like it, we're, you know, back to question number six, like if you're looking to get into medical device sales, like ADP copiers, those hard sales jobs. I, feel, I, I, I give those people a lot of credit. Like those are the, when someone comes, they have no medical device experience, but they've been at like an ADP or Cintas or did copiers for three or four years. And you know, it was a grind and they've done well. I'm always like, man, that person is going to do great here. Um, so, so doing that, but the, when you get this opportunity and you move into medical device sales, 
so many people wash out and I believe it's just not taking it seriously enough. You know, there, what was helpful for me is I had the perspective of like, holy crap, like you can make a lot of money if you're good at this. And then you look at, I like, I was like an economics major. I like kind of statistics, stuff like that. Looking about the kind of money people are making compared to like what you would have to do in other areas. It's like, wow, this is like, you know, you're going to be in the top two or 3% of, of, of income, you know, like, and, and, you know, you hear it all the time, like, you know, 1%, you got to do 1% things or, you know, to be the best, you got to do best. Like so many people get in, they don't, they don't do the stuff that they're being told, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, take it as seriously and work on their pitches. And then you see these people come in that are just so hungry and, you know, I have reps that call me up at 1030 at night, like, hey, can we go have a pitch with me? It's like that person's not going to fail here. Like everybody that applies could do the job. Like we're good enough at weeding people out. I think in an interview process where everybody that we hire could be great at the job. But it's those people that are like, you can make that much money. I will do anything. And they have that fear that at any time, like I always had that fear. You know, when you run, you always worry about like you could get beat anytime. Right. You could be the best in the world and you could just get beat. And so I always had that like fear of like, I don't want to lose this opportunity, you know, and and that kind of like when there was something to be done, I did it because I'm like, I know there's a lot of hungry people out there that would want to make the kind of money I'm making and have this opportunity. I love my job. I love this opportunity. I'm not going to let let it go because I didn't put in the work. And if you have that attitude, you will crush it. You'll you'll do well at whatever role you're in. You'll have opportunity to move up, you know. Maybe you, you're at one company, you want to be at another company, you're in a different industry or part of a of medical device. If you have that attitude anywhere, people are going to know about it. They're going to feel it on you and, and doors are going to open up left and right. You can't teach hunger. Yeah. Be hungry. It's a, it's an amazing opportunity. I'm really, I'm really glad, you know, um, especially Qterra has been like a life, life changing opportunity for me and my family, um, super supportive company. And it's just like, it was totally worth it. All those, all those days of getting not doing well and being frustrated. And I remember a couple of times specifically like sitting in my car when I was like a couple months in, like, what am I doing here? This, I hate this job. Um, I, I remember one really specifically, I covered New Mexico and I was like, went out there, didn't sell anything. And I had to drive back cause I did a demo and I'm like stuck in the snow. And it's <laughs> like, I drove like all night and I'm like, why the heck am I doing this? Like, so stupid. And it's like, it, it was totally worth it. I'm glad I did. I can totally relate. I've had so many conversations in my car making yeah. those cold calls for sure. Yeah. just like, or your friends are like, Hey, you want to do this this weekend? It's like, no, nah, I got to work. Like all those will eventually pay off. You yep. know, like it, it's, it's, it, there's nothing in life is free. It's just hard work. You know, the sacrifices are worth it. Yeah, definitely. Sacrifices are definitely worth it. Thank you for being on the podcast, Steve. I think this is going to help a lot of people out there. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I'm going to leave you like I will after every episode with a sincere thank you for tuning in and a little food for thought to carry along with you for the rest of the day. Usain Bolt once said, easy is not an option. No days off. Never quit. Be fearless. Skill is only developed by hours and hours of work.